0: listening to Have the Conversation podcast, a podcast centered around mental health, wellness, and everything in between. I'm Calla.
1: And I'm Leanne. We're sitting down with everyday people to talk about life and the lessons they've learned, all in an effort to connect and stay encouraged.
0: Hey guys, Leanne doesn't know I'm doing this, but I know she listens back on Monday mornings to check her audio. So hey Leanne, sounds great. But in all seriousness, I just wanted to leave you this little message to say thank you for making this last season so incredible and for making this entire Have the Conversation dream a reality. It means so much more to me than I could have ever thought possible. And I know with my whole heart that I have you to thank for that. So thank you, Leanne. Okay, guys, on with the episode.
1: Hey, guys. This week, Cal and I sat down with Brendan Kumarasamy, the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel that he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. Brendan coaches purpose-driven entrepreneurs on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. And we definitely gave him a lot to critique. Conversations around the topics of effective and persuasive communication are so important, and we walked away with a lot of great tips. We hope you do too. Enjoy this one.
0: Let's just jump right into it, honestly. Why why master talk? Why communication?
2: Yeah. You know, for me, there there wasn't really a big reason or passion. You know, Steve Jobs says, you always connect the dots backwards, not forward. And trust me, the last thing I ever wanted to do with my life was to be a communication coach. And the reason is because when I was five years old and I I grew up in a city called Montreal, parents looked at me and they're like, hey, buddy, you got to learn French. I was like, why? They said, well, you live in Montreal. Everyone speaks the language. You got to figure it out. So they threw me into a French education system, right? And in that moment, obviously, I'm very blessed today, and you know, I speak many languages. But in the process, it wasn't so fun because I had to present in a language I didn't even know. Mm. You can picture me as like a first grader or a second grader. You just look at the crowd and go, uh, just panic. <laughs> yeah, you just panic.
1: <laughs> yeah, <So> bonjour. <basically,
2: laughs> yeah, I think I think the short story is it, Cala. Cala, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Right, So to answer your question, Gallo, like uh, I never really wanted to be a speaking coach. That's the thing I hated the most actually <laughs> growing up. But what happened was when I was in university, I found a love for it because I started doing it competitively. So while other guys my age would like play sports or something like basketball or what are the guys playing? these rugby or something? Yeah. Like i got not really into that stuff. You know, you probably tell I'm not really built for that kind of jazz. But what I did instead is I applied that competitive spirit to presentations so i presented a bunch of times coached dozens of universities it's for free it was really just for fun to do the program but then after i got a job and i started working corporate i just said hey wait a second a lot of the communication information on youtube is terrible (laughs) advice like Hey, Calla, you should like stop wearing that pink shirt, put a tie on. You're like, wait a second. I'm a woman. Why do I put a tie on? This
1: no do pink tie. Then,
2: right, like a pink, just a bunch of nonsense. And I just said, okay, let me start making videos in my mother's basement. And then one thing led to another and Talk was born. Wow. That's the story. Yeah.
1: So. so- when you started learning French, though, did you know from a young age, like I kind of like learning this new language, I like speaking in front of people, or did you not even like it at first, and it was something that grew in university?
2: Oh, it horrified me. Really? I, I hated French so much. Obviously, now it's super awesome because now quand je parle français, you know, you'd speak French to people who don't speak French. They go, "Oh, is he like from France or something?" Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, but it's like, I guess it's cool now, but uh, no, not at the time. I hated learning the language, if I'm being honest, but it, it served me a lot in life now. And I'm very appreciative of it, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I was watching your videos, um, I watched one of the five common public speaking mistakes. And just you're going through them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely do that one. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I do that one, too. <laughs> and your second one you talked about was about, um, ch- I just did it, changing your, instead of saying ums and ahs, uh, replacing them with silences. And so then I really started listening to you and I was like, he literally does not say um one time. And that's that's something I became more, uh, there we go again. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna be hypersensitive about it now, but uh, I noticed more when I'm editing the audios for these these podcasts. I'm like, oh, there's another um, there's another like, there's another uh. And so that's helped me become a little more conscious about it. But was that something that you, taught yourself and how long did that take you because I just don't see myself ever being there
2: <laughs> right no, no no don't say that Leanne you know the point you know a lot of people say that when they have me on their show they go oh no the speaking coach is here <laughs> yeah don't worry State don't police. worry I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting on a mattress as I'm talking <laughs> about it's, not a, it's not a big deal but and I do that on purpose so people can see me in a more casual setting but the, but the point I want to drive is the only reason I mastered Filler words. If I'm being completely honest. Is because I needed to out of necessity, mm-hmm. right? In that specific circumstance that I was in, is this weird subculture, right? Where if you said a filler word, you lose competitions, oh. right? So, so for example, and I was the coach. So you think of me as the dictator of that whole program. So if I said a filler word, right, everyone looks up to you as the leader and says, "Well, if Brendan says filler words half the time, I guess I don't. I guess it doesn't matter, right?" So I was very focused. So of course. Like most of us, I would always speak like this, uh, you know, and uh, but over time as it got really good, that's the because that's the difference between like first place and let's say third place, I got very obsessed about saying no, filler, which is an obsession very few people have, especially <laughs> at my age. You know, they might think of like having a hamburger or something, whereas I'm just like, how do I not say? And that was the insanity that I ended up teaching everyone else in the program that, that jumped in after. Cause it's like a sports team, right? As you get older, any other club can be a fashion club. You get, as you get older, you transition from just a person in that club to mentoring the people who join it the first time, right? You kind of become right. a teacher. So that's, so it was more out of necessity. It's not because I'm special. It's, it's just end up being a, to, as a, as a requirement to win what I needed to win.
1: And is it just catching yourself over and over and, It is.
2: Yeah. So um, I had a very unique situation in the sense that it's easier now because now I can share the tips with you two and you you can learn it. But at the beginning, what happened was I I would be in front of an executive and I would just go, "Uh, good afternoon to the uh, board of directors of, uh, but a lot of my friends who are in the program are sitting in the back and they're taking notes. So at the end, when the executive walks away and the presentation's over, they literally just yell at me. They just go watch the recording. This is all wrong. This is all wrong. Do it again, right? So how do we bring this back to chapter one? Okay, the way that we bring this back to chapter one to people are just like, who's this crazy guy in a mattress? (laughs) Is, is Is the following. What idea do you want to share with the world? What is something that you care about? And that doesn't need to be a YouTube channel or a podcast like you two are doing. It could just be a recipe you want to share with a friend. It could be a tough conversation you want to have with a loved one. It's a lot easier to have those conversations when your communication skills are a lot sharper. And so for everyone else who's listening, it's about finding what that reason is for you and using that as a motive to say, yeah, sure, ums and ahs are probably not going to kill me in the same way it killed Brendan in his competitions. (laughs) But hey, if my husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, kids, family, friends, you know, don't understand exactly what I'm saying, how does that affect the quality of my life? Because we need to understand that communication is every interaction, has very little to presentations. It actually has everything to do with everything. Yeah. Once we realize that, it's all. So true.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So another one of your videos was about content versus delivery. When I first read the title, I was like, oh, content, obviously. Because you know it's about the message you're trying to to deliver, but going through the video, you were talking about how much delivery matters because if it can't come across then the me- it, it doesn't matter what the message is. Can you elaborate on that a little bit because that that was really enlightening. I love that
2: of course, you know the famous debate, and hopefully I put it close to it with the following response: <laughs> I want everyone who's listening right now to picture the following high school oh. How much do we actually, yeah, you're already. No, you lost like, me. I'm, I'm out. out. No. <laughs> you're like, I'm on a hill. I'm going up there. I hill did election. that once no, already. I'm, I'm not
1: going back. Sorry, Brendan. No, <laughs> it's okay.
2: Let, let's take a short trip. Okay. Yeah. Plan, <laughs> Notice I just compromised. That's persuasion. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, that's another thing. But anyways, the point I want to drive is how much do we actually remember from high school? And I'm talking about the lessons, mm. like the classes.
0: <laughs> not a lot.
2: Yeah. Very little. But isn't that bizarre, though?
0: Yeah. Right? Spend a lot of time you know, we, there. <laughs> too much time.
2: Yeah, they spent a lot of time. They're very well educated, too. Now, these people, do not they don't just pull teachers off the streets. At least I hope they don't. <laughs> you know, they got bachelor degrees. They got master degrees. University, they got PhD. So why don't we remember everything, anything? But the opposite is also true. Think about the best speakers in the world. Think about the speakers that you admire, whether it's a Tony Robbins, whether it's a Rachel Hollis, whether it's, I don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk. When you ask people who admire those speakers, you say, what do you like about them? What did you learn from them? They generally speak in very broad terms. They would say something like, Tony forced me to take action of my life, to do something important, to to follow this bakery. I'm like, wait, he never talked about bakeries in his presentation? (laughs) But what happens is what you realize is even when you're a top 1% speaker, even if you're best in class at what you do, from a communication perspective, most people will still only remember an idea or two. Mm. So it drives the following conclusion. If your definition of public speaking is to share an idea that matters, you need to realize that provided your 1% idea is good, you need to spend the other 99% thinking about how to deliver it. In the same way, by the way, a lot of professional speakers or communication coaches could come onto a podcast and do this. Yeah, you know, uh, communication is important, and I uh, wonder what I'm having for dinner today. Or <laughs> they could they can speak as if communication is the most important thing, and people are listening like, "Wow, I guess communication is really important. <laughs> Delivery is everything."
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, what were you um, most fearful of when it came to starting Master Talk? Did you have fears? Try <laughs> to <laughs> look on you, your face and you, yeah. say yes.
2: <laughs> I'm like, help. No, I'm <laughs> you know, for me, it was a very different kind of fear in the sense of, it was more embarrassment, if, I, if I'm being more specific. So I'll give you an example. Because as you probably tell so far in this conversation, I take my presentations very serious. Right. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, well, he's like switching back to from like crazy person to... <laughs> to average person explaining something in simple terms. But the idea that I'm driving is when I when I uploaded my first video, actually three weeks before I uploaded it, I looked at it and I couldn't stand it. Because by the time I made those videos, I was a really good speaker. So when I saw myself on video, just really bad, like it was horrifying to look at, I was really scared to post it. Mm-hmm. And there's, of course, the insecurities that come with, you know, uh, you know, for the record, I started mass talk when I was 22. And I started coaching senior level executives of companies who are double my age when I was 23, for yeah. most of my clients now. The question I'm driving is, who in the world am I to do any of this stuff?
1: Right. That would be the voice in my head. Yeah.
2: Right. Like, I don't have a PhD. I'm sitting on a mattress in my mother's basement. Like, who am I to coach CEOs? And you probably would know if I, if I shot names. But the point is, that was where the fear came from. So how do you overcome all of this stuff? Right. The way that I see this, and once again, I, I like the I like the dark path, you know, it was like going against the grain. For oh, me, it's a, a simple it. question. Yeah. yeah, there you go. You're in really but good I mean, company I mean, with that. With I, that mean, I, mean. <laughs> I guess in your case, Callie you got a picture. Of I know, when that's so funny
1: because <laughs> we're normally in black. We got made fun of before because <laughs> oh, we're constantly right. black. <laughs> so we brightened it up for you.
2: <laughs> there, oh, I really appreciate that. I love that. The question is, who suffers from your inability to take action every single day? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Yeah. So let's say you think about that question really specific. You get clear. Here's what most people do. So most people's option A and option B sounds something like this. Option A is start the podcast. You know, start the recipe. Share the tough conversation. Option B is watch Netflix. Pretty simple, mm-hmm. right? But for someone like me, and I would even argue to a certain extent, you two, option A is do the thing. You know, make the Master Talk videos, have the conversations that you want to have. But option B for me is watch millions of people suffer around the world. What do I mean by this? I'll add more lair. Julia's 15 years old. Julie's a very confident person. She does amazingly well in school. She she has passions in art, sciences. She's going to be whatever she wants to be, whether it's a hedge fund manager, whether it's a fashion designer. She has everything that she wants to be, except for one issue, one problem that she never talks about, and that is her fear of public speaking. After every classroom presentation she gives, she goes, why do I have to give this for this sucks? I don't want to work on this. I hate my life. And that hurts her confidence. So in one moment of her life, she does the following. She goes on YouTube because that's where she learns most of the things that she does. That's, that's interesting. And she types public speaking tips. And what does she find? She finds, if I'm being f- transparent here, a bunch of old white dudes who don't know anything <laughs> about communication. So what does she do? She gets afraid. She goes, these people are so old. I can't be a great speaker. Closes her laptop. And her belief system that she'll ma- never master communication will become true unless I make the videos.
0: Mm, I love right? that.
2: So when, so when you look at it that way, Julie has an extrapolation or extrapolates. It's like a generalization for every 15, 16 year old. Cause who else can afford a speech coach? Nobody in that age range. But what's crazy about what I do is it's not just the millions of people today. It's also the millions of people tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If nobody shares this information at this age range, I'm 24 today, Nobody's going to relate to the 16 year old mm-hmm. which means every day I decide not to do master talk I'm actually hurting millions of people around the world. That's why I create my content three years in advance and why I take this so seriously
1: that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself too do you do you, does that fuel you or does that sometimes
0: he's a competitor kind of, you yeah, know that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know, I'll give you, I've actually never said this on a show, but I was listening, uh, I was listening to a talk with Joe Rogan and this fighter named Israel Adesanya, the only sports guy I follow. I don't watch anything else sports related. And he said something fascinating that I loved. He said pressure is an acquired taste.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like,
2: it's like caviar. You know, some people like it, some people don't. If, if you think about me, pressure has always been something that I've loved if, if it yields something that I find interesting enough to do. So let's say you think about you know, a nine-to-five job where you're working something you don't like. The pressure isn't really great because you're not trying to achieve something that you want to do. But let's think about the pressures that you might have with this podcast. How do I balance my family and all this stuff with the show in the same way? How do I balance mine with my show? But that pressure, or at least for me anyways, is welcomed because it shows that I'm actually trying to create something really meaningful. And that's the kind of pressure I like, absolutely. Right. But it's definitely not for everyone.
0: <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I, uh, I love it. <laughs>
2: I like getting in doses.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I need doses. But I'm a huge advocate. Of what you said, Leanne. Why do you think I write my content so early in advance? So I don't have to wake up every day and go, "Oh no, I've I've like a video to post on Sunday."
0: Yeah, right we we like to be prepared as well. Yeah, yeah, we follow that model. Maybe not three years, but we're close.
2: <laughs> yeah, <I'm> pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it does. It it allows you to kind of get what you're passionate about out and then really just work what you already know that you're passionate about while while it's already the content's done. Then you can really focus on the delivery. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so true. Yeah. Because the yeah, the pressure of the creation,
1: there's not a deadline looming. You're so far ahead that you can just create what you want to create. That's kind of what the big magic book talks about, Cala. We yeah we, we read this book called Big Magic and she talks about how creativity shouldn't necessarily be your, like, don't quit your day job essentially is what she's saying, <laughs> because if there's too much pressure on your creativity, it kind of, um, can dull your, whatever the, the well is that you, you get it from, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at in terms of pressure. Like I, I do need a deadline, but there needs to be a, a nice little buffer there <laughs> for me. <laughs> But so you work with a lot of clients uh, one-on-one as well, right?
2: I I mostly do group coaching these days, Okay, but yeah, you got it.
1: Do you find a common obstacle that people have or is it just very individual?
2: Oh yeah, that's a great question. It's actually pretty much the same thing for everybody, right? And and the issue, there's a couple of things that are common throughout. One is most people don't know how to practice public speaking. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. There's a method that I teach that is so easy. So the second I say it, you can just implement it. So if there's anything you get out of this conversation, is what I'm about to say. Public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those thousand piece puzzles you kind of put together with your family, especially now with COVID <laughs> and what else is there to do, right? So, so if I asked you to, let's, let's go to Kala as an example. If, if you were building this puzzle, right, with your family or friends, which pieces would you start with first and what?
0: So I work from the outside in. I got to get my corners right. (laughs) And then we'll make the border and then we'll fill (laughs) it.
2: That's That's how I puzzle. (laughs) That's perfect. So now the question is, why don't we do that in public speaking? We have a presentation at work, at school, in business. So what do we do? We start with the middle. We shove a bunch of content. We get to the presentation. We get to the last line. It sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so um uh, thanks. That's probably ninety seven percent of presentations I hear. So how do we make this easier? Treat your presentations like a puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction fifty times. not three times, not five times. fifty times. It's actually not hard. It'll take you an hour, right? It's a minute long introduction. Yeah. Do it fifty times. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? A terrible movie. Same right. thing.
0: Yeah, that's so 50... good.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Easiest tip I got. 50 times. In two hours of practice, your life will be completely changed. And then after you'll look at your intro and go, hey, wait a second. I'm actually pretty good at this public speaking thing. Now let me tackle the middle. But remember, everyone, much like a puzzle, who does 2,000-piece puzzles alone? <laughs> Almost Nobody. <laughs> Do it with your friends. Same thing with me. Today, I'm a professional speaker. I still get advice from all of my friends, all my colleagues on how I'm doing. So, so build a nice small team and have fun with it.
1: Yeah, completely. That's what we've been doing wrong, Calla. We didn't practice our intro 50
0: times. <laughs> well, we're a candid conversation. I know. <laughs>
2: that's, that's the thing. I, I was about to say that, actually. It's good that you said that. So, so in your specific case, I love the way you introed because that's just the format of your show. Yeah. But let's say you think about um, a Tom Billiou, which I'm sure you're probably familiar yeah. with, impact theory. He spends on average six to eight hours on introductions for his guests. So he literally yeah. sits there and like, molt- so that's why whenever he intros, People just go, okay, this is not a regular show. So the highlight reel ends and they start speaking. But what's smart about how Tom does it, it's a good example of how to improve your communication skills. Because even if the guest changes, the format of how he does introductions doesn't. Mm -hmm. In the same way that when you do a presentation, so for you to the topic is simple, make a presentation on this very podcast, because you might want to promote it to your local chamber of commerce, your local universities and your communities. But the content will always remain the same, right? Right. So you'll always get better at presenting that one presentation.
0: Yeah, we've it's. I I think of how the format of this show's changed from the very beginning to now, and definitely for the better. And that just comes with practice, like you said. It's you've. It, it is one of those where you just have to get it out there because you just want to see what's going to work and what doesn't. And then we've just kind of adjusted along the way, and I think we've been better for it. <laughs> um, you know, you know, moving moving on um, from. From that first original gosh that first original episode
2: <laughs> that that's the point though mm-hmm. right imagine like episode one yourself and leanne started and said oh you know like this is what are we doing yeah chewing gum <laughs> right you're like chewing gum hey we got a oh, bread so off. bad
0: it was so bad
2: we've never it gone back really
0: to watch it but yeah. we won't delete it because it's like, where we started <laughs>
2: yep yeah but that's the thing you get better and you both but one other thing I would say, my recommendation I was uh, is I would put it back up. And the reason I would do that is because so people don't have an excuse. I'm sure there's a bunch of people. Oh, we've never that. took it down. Yeah, yeah we, just we, we just, came just won't from. listen
0: back. Oh, we just sorry. won't oh, okay, watch it. Fair. Yeah, I don't that's want to fair. take away from our growth by any means. Because like when you were giving that example earlier about Julia, the 16-year-old, I was sitting in my head going, I'm Julia, I'm Julia, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I think about that because my mom's gonna die if she listens to this episode. Because
2: um, let's make sure she doesn't listen to the no, episode. No, no, no. It's,
0: it's funny because I in in high school, you know, you have to take the a public speaking class or several or whatever. I would write the speeches, I would practice the speeches, but when it came to delivery, I would say I didn't have it and I wouldn't turn my assignment in because I just wouldn't do it. And now here we are. (laughs) You know, I I would have loved to have had somebody like you who was, who was younger and not a dude who was, I wasn't connected with, you know, like an old white guy telling me what to do because I just never, I like what you're doing basically is what I'm trying to say. It would have been helpful all those years ago for me. (laughs) Yeah. So, Back to your, do you want to go over what your
1: five common public speaking mistakes are? Just just so I don't keep like referring to them sporadically. For sure.
2: I'm sure I'm going to miss a couple. But but one thing I I wanted to mention from Kala's point is what you said there, Kala, is exactly what keeps me motivated. You know, a lot of people go hey, like, w- why is my thing important? Because most people, when we start an idea, and I'm sure you two can relate, we think it's stupid. <laughs> We're like, I, I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous at this level that I'm out with MasterTalk to go, Brennan, how is your idea stupid? Like, people obviously need public speaking, but it wasn't like that 18 months ago, mm-hmm. right? And I started the idea at, what, 17 subscribers? But it's because I have long dinner conversations or lunches or breakfasts or just coffee chats with people like yourselves, people who are in my demo, people who are my core audience that helps me understand that, I'm, that I' that that I'm doing something important. right You know like the Julia thing wasn't made up, Kala, right, right. I was I was giving a pro bono workshop. I think it was seven months into like a young uh, girls' leadership program or something And back then I still thought Master was a dumb idea. I was just giving the workshop because I was good at presentations. I just didn't think I was good enough to do YouTube. And I talked to Julia, her name wasn't Julia, but you know, and I talked to her, I just said, Hey, like I was just eating a watermelon or something. I said, what do you think about public sweet? She just looked at me with like death, like death. She just went, uh, she started hyperventilating. And I just went, "What? what is it about public state?" And I started calming her down. She just went ballistic. And I just went, oh, okay. What I do matters.
0: Yeah. Well, we we'll do, do a segment. segment. Oh, go ahead, Leanne. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say like people, people
1: fear public speaking over death in, in a lot of yeah, cases. that's so true. I've heard statistics. Yeah. About that. And, and I, it's funny because I do this, this is like a very private public speaking. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a conversation, but it gets out to a lot of people. And so this is like, this is like my little safe way of, of telling myself I can do this because it, mm. it feels different, but I would still consider myself someone who would fear public speaking over death.
0: <laughs> I mean, it just, that's just it. Sorry. Right. You're, go ahead, Cal. No, no. I was just saying, because um, we do our segment on Thursday mornings for coffee and conversation. That's kind of like the way our audience gets to know us better without a guest in the mornings on IGTV. And um, we were asking our audience, you know, who's afraid of public speaking. Cause we knew that you were coming on and we kind of wanted to gauge them. And we did like a story that popped up to see who was, it was like 80% were fearful. Wow. It was wild. And um, one of our contributors and friends and listener, she's got to give a speech um, at her sister's wedding. And she was wanting tips on that too. So we'll, we'll come back to that. I want to know your five, but that was something that right. I want to make sure that we, we discuss. So yeah, for Jenna. Okay, so the five things, let's, let's try to go over those real quick. Let's build Once our again, puzzle in def- words.
2: <laughs> definitely going to miss all of them, but I'll give it my shot. So the first one is, hand inching so this is something I used to do and I still do honestly as you can tell I like moving my hands a lot so hand inching is when you move your hands too quickly and too many times in a presentation mm-hmm. so when you do that it's very distracting so people look at you and like Leanne Kel where are you guys going it's like what's happening and we get distracted from the message so the key is to keep our hands near our body right and try and control it But obviously, as you can tell, I'm not the best preacher of this advice, I kind of try my best as well. But I mean, in person, you don't see that as much. But I think the idea is just be more mindful about that. It's not not the end of the world, if I'm being honest. That's one. Second one, geez, now I'm really like being tested here. What's the other one? It was, oh yeah, the, no the pressure. ums and We can oz. just
0: say whichever ones you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah.
2: The, the, the ums and ahs, sorry, I make these like years in advance. Yeah. That's why I kind of forget. Oh, about, that's but,
0: right. I'm right. sorry, I but forgot about there, that. No, <laughs> no, no,
2: it's not an issue. Don't worry, we'll just keep running with it. So the, the second one is the, the ums and ahs that we talked about earlier. By replacing your filler words with silences, it's a lot easier for you to engage in a, in a conversation and you're going to be perceived as a lot more confident as a speaker. What's great about filler words that I love is even if you forget everything else in today's conversation, if you just master that, you, I, I'd already put you in the top 10% of everyone I've ever coached in my life, whether it's a six year old girl who's my most successful client to you know, someone who's a senior executive. Third thing is lack of audience obsessiveness. So that means, let's say uh, you think about your audience, you go, oh, I wonder who Leanne and Cal are, uh, let's uh, give a presentation, versus like, what do they aspire to be? What do they dream about? What do they care about? And how do I mold my presentation in a way where Cal can say something like, oh, wow, you just described me, right? That takes a lot of effort to get from A to B and a lot of research. And an easy way to do this that I recommend is have very long, I know I like to use the word dinner conversation. I just like connecting with food, but it could be like a, Coffee chat could be just a conversation with the people that you seek to serve, because nothing like I think spreadsheets are useless when you're starting a business or a movement or a nonprofit or whatever it is you want to create. It's a lot easier to just talk to those people one on one because you start to gain insights that most people in your industry don't get. So for me, the insight was simple. Don't sound academic, boring, and old in your videos. Mm. Be fresh about it. Make it super simple. Handwrite every script so that people don't lose their train of thought when they're watching my videos, which I hope I achieved, right? So that's that's the third one. Fourth one, I believe I said posture, if I'm being, if I'm not being. Yeah. So posture was like this. I like, I love the support. Hold here. on. I'm, <laughs> I'm oh,
0: you're like, I'm watching in my chair always. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so posture so is actually a lot less um, problematic in the online world because you can't really tell, right? Like, in, in, like let's say with the, with the lens that you look at me now, you can't really tell if my posture is good or not because mm-hmm. you can barely see me. But let's say when you're in an in-person presentation, everyone can see you, like end to end. What you want to do instead, that I recommend, especially if your posture isn't straight or legs are too far apart, is I would I would say stick together, like stick your two feet together. So that way, when somebody else notices your posture kind of goes erect, you could just say, hey, stick your feet together. And they go, oh, okay. So then over time, what happens is your posture just gets better and your feet naturally move apart into a comfortable position. And then you won't have the posture issue. anymore. I know it's a weird trick. It's worked on a hundred percent of the people I've coached. So some yeah, of cause
1: people... I I'll, I'll shift around a lot. I notice. So if my feet are together, there's nowhere to shift, which is right. I guess that's the point, right?
2: <laughs> there, there you go, right? Kind of forces you, and then after that, you can you, you'll move you'll move your legs in a way that's comfortable for you. Yeah. And then the last thing I believe I said eye contact. It might have been something else, but but the idea was uh, eye contact. Most people, the mistake they make is twofold. So one is they don't they're not able to maintain eye contact with your audience, especially the online world. That's crucial. You want to make sure your eyes are always on the camera lens. So it, so it makes, it seems like the perception is that, oh, Brendan is looking at us directly when that actually isn't true, right? Mm-hmm. Or else yeah. I would have to look like this, which doesn't <laughs> work, anymore, right? But the second part of it is most people can't hold the gaze for a long period of time. So one secret a lot of speakers don't really tell anyone or, in, or communicate is that we can pause forever <laughs> and never make it seem awkward. But obviously, we don't have forever. So you should take my word for it. But just as a game, what I do out, in workshops when I'm in person is I pause for like three minutes and I just stare at everyone individually, and I just say nothing, and everyone's just like,
1: mm. "Yeah, <laughs> that like already makes me so uncomfortable." <laughs> That's my worst nightmare, Brendan.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can fix this though. I was I was like that too, but what I did to fix this, and it's simple is do the harder thing. Cause in your actual presentation, you're not actually going to pause for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't happen. You pause for three seconds, two seconds. So what you want to do is go to someone in your family, somebody in your house and stare at them for five minutes and say nothing. Excruciatingly painful, you know, not looking at your phone, just keeping the gaze. You can blink and stuff. Just most people can't make it that long. Yeah. A lot of my executives is a fun joke. Uh, you know, like uh, they're, they're from a lot of them are from my culture. So I always go, go look at your wife for five minutes. They can't do it. They just go, uh, I can't. Do-. I was like, you're married to them for God's sakes. Like, come on. Guys. Well,
1: that's what I was just about to say. I was like, I think me and Clayton would break up after that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, that's okay. That's
1: because I don't know. In silence, it's so funny. I I, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about because that's definitely my weakness. Is I mean, other than the ums and ahs, and the eye contact and the posture, (laughs) the the silence is the one thing. It's like the moment it's silent, all the the fears or negative thoughts just like bubble up. And so, like I'll notice, like even with Clayton, because he he does he takes his time talking. He's like a very thoughtful speaker so he's just quiet sometimes but if he's having like a quiet moment I'm like what did I do something like what's what's wrong (laughs) like and I don't know what that that is um I know you're not a therapist maybe (laughs) maybe I should go see someone
2: (laughs) no I, I I think the way that I would see it is everyone everyone communicates in their own way And I think our job as speakers, or for those of us who want to be the best conversationalists in the world, is to understand how the other person shows up with their energy and adapting to that in a way that makes them feel comfortable. So I'll give you a perfect example of this very conversation we're having right now. I show up very differently based on the host of that show. Right. So let's say in the context of, you know, I go on a show with Nick and Nick goes like this. Brendan, it's so great to see you. He's like super loud to the point, like it hurts your ears. And I just mirror the energy. I go, Nick, it's so awesome to be here. I'm so grateful And to be swearing. I swear to you, it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. But then the opposite is also like the you guys are kind of in the middle. But then you have the opposite end of the spectrum, which is. Uh, hey, hey, Brendan, I go, hey, Paula, how's it going? Notice how now immediately my vocal tone went up like went base right she said are you feeling a bit nervous she's like yeah you know you're my first guest I don't really do a lot of shows but you know I did a lot of research you know really quietly let me say hey don't worry let's take it one question at a time so notice how the the energy that I use completely different and you two are, are in the middle right really energetic fun and also casual so so that's the kind of energy that I try and bring so do you want to do that same thing with the and you're welcome and with everyone else around you right so I would just go don't worry about it so as as the partner i know it's probably i probably should give relationship advice but the way that i think <laughs> no, that's about hilarious. it is, that's is probably great probably away. try try and learn to pause for as long and see what happens yeah and then you might look at a tree and go huh this is actually not bad i kind of i kind of like put myself in that person's shoes for a second
1: yeah that's so funny because that's what they talk about my my job is personal training and so i listen to a lot of like fitness podcasts and stuff and that's what they say the best trainers are chameleons like they mirror their clients. They, and so that's exactly what you're saying, but in terms of like tone of voice and si- lengths of silences, I guess. So that, that, that's easy for me to comprehend. It's just a matter of, of doing it. I, I like that. That's great advice.
2: I love, I love how you used a different industry to help you understand that topic better. And I completely agree just to build on that, like as a piggyback, okay. you know, the different clients that you have of completely different goals with their fitness. Mm. Some people might want to bulk up, maybe other people want to, you know, balance this idea of staying fit, but you know, having a summer body, you know, it just doesn't matter, right? <laughs> but each of those, each of those clients have individual needs. But the argument I'll give, and this applies for you too, Cal, is how do you Take that language that you already know in one context, because I'm not teaching you anything new. What I'm teaching is how do you apply those lessons that you already do with your fitness clients and apply it for, to communication?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to worry about tone and audience all the time because I write. I That's what I love to do. And I mean, that's been the biggest biggest thing is learning the tone for your audience, even through writing when they're not hearing your voice, but getting it communicated properly. I mean, I kind of love that challenge. That's where my competitive streak comes out. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I really get a charge out of doing that, I guess you could say.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Have you learned all of these things
1: through experience or did you learn them like in your classes in college?
2: Definitely harsh experience. So, so just to give you an idea of how the program works. I usually don't comment on that too because it's pretty intense. It, it, it portrays me as this, insan, it's a, this insane figure, which I am, of course. <laughs> but but picture this. okay, You're, you're a 21-year-old. You're second year into the pro. You've done all these competitions. You've won a couple. You lost a lot of them. But then the year after, you're the leader of the whole thing. So I think I was in a class of 30 of some of the brightest students in the university. And I was the person leading them to the competition. So we all compete together in groups. So there was a lot of pressure on me to lead that team because it was the first year in the program's history we tried to win gold for this competition. We don't need to get into all those details. It's not relevant for people. But the idea is we want to get first place, right? And I was the person that was going to determine whether or not we get first place or not. So it was up to me to quickly figure out how to adapt to the different personalities in, in the room and just say, how can I communicate to them in a way that, that makes them want to go for gold? But the issue was, I think that was a tragic situation, is the day before the competition, after all the hard work you put in, the competition got canceled because of the weather. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you if you prepare for like the Olympics and you find out the day before that there is no Olympics, like a lot of the athletes probably this year yeah. have to face that situation, which is horrifying yeah. when you look at, for, for most people don't really understand that, but from, a, from an athlete in a different sport, I totally get it. It must be devastating. So not only did I have to manage people in the good times, I had to deal with like a whole bus of like, everyone started weeping, like, like crazy. I started, and I, I had to manage that whole situation as a 21 year old. next I just went, okay. So anyways, I, I learned a lot of those leadership lessons early in my life. So that's why I guess I speak like I'm someone who's in like his forties or somebody. But uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> I love it. But
2: yeah, yeah, that's, that was the secret. Yeah.
0: I do have a question on kind of the, do you, I know Leanne, you kind of talked about this a little bit about. Is it kind of the same thing for everybody when you do group that across the board, a lot of the people have the same issues when it comes to public speaking? Have you, in your experience, found like a root cause of that fear?
2: So let's break this down, right? You know, We know we're scared of this public speaking thing for some reason more than death, but we don't really understand where it comes from, right? So allow me to shed some light on this. Let's think about it. Where do we give most of our presentations to begin with? Answer school, right? Regardless of where you're born, whether you're from the States, Canada, Europe, Asia, it's all the same story. You go through an education system. And almost all of those presentations are mandatory, right? We don't wake up one morning and go, hey, Leanne, Cal, you wanna get breakfast and present all day? (laughs) Says nobody ever. I think I'm one of four people in the country who says that.
1: Yeah, maybe (laughs) less.
2: Yeah, it's probably me and my two other friends or something. We get breakfast and then we present together. But, but that's the thing. All the presentations we're given are mandatory. So let's keep kind of play out this example. Let's say we're on high school. Oh, oh no, I promised I wouldn't bring us back to high school. That's again. okay. We already
0: went once. We can handle it.
2: <laughs> we can I'm use universities. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay. I'm glad I'm setting up the right space. let like I hope. But, anyways, so so three things happen in that environment. Number one, we never get to pick the topic, and if we do. It's generally something we're not passionate about. Think about the Renaissance in history class. You're kind of sitting there like, what's a Renaissance? It's <laughs> like a fruit. And you got to present it like Shakespeare or all the other stuff. You know, your teachers, I don't know where they come up with this stuff. But anyway, this is a whole other thing. <laughs> Number two, students. Students don't care to listen to you, not because they don't care about you. That is a common misconception, because they got to talk about Egypt in 10 minutes after you. Right. So let's say Leanne's given a presentation. The reason me and Cal aren't listening is not because we don't like Leanne. Leanne's great. The issue is I got to talk about, you know, Indian culture in 10 minutes and Cal's got to talk about some other time period in history. So we're biting our nails in that class. We're focused on our own thing. That's not true in conversations like this, right? People aren't uh, given a present, aren't entering this conversation. They're just listening and absorbing, right? Number three, teachers. Teachers are very well-intentioned, very well-educated, but also very stressed. you got 70 students in a classroom, and you got to make all of them do individual presentations because the school system forces you to. Do you really have time to coach all of those students individually? No,
0: there's no way. Yeah.
2: No way. So, so let's recap that. In 100% of the presentations you get in your lives, three things have happened. You've always presented to topics you don't care about, to students who don't care to listen, to teachers who couldn't care about teaching you because they don't have time to. And this behavior gets repeated in everything. Math, sciences, languages, French, English, music, gym, on and on and on. We're taught to believe that public speaking is a chore. Yeah. At school, it's tied to a grade. If you're at work, it's tied to a result. Yeah. If you fail Leanne, or if you fail Cal or Brendan, you get punished for it, and that's the punchline. The fear of public speaking has nothing to do with us. I can guarantee it. I have a kids program, I teach a bunch of my executives' kids how to do this. The issue is the system in which we grew up learning it. Why is it that 14-year-old Julia happens to hate public speaking, but for some reason loves theater?
0: Mm-hmm. So we're having
2: coffee with Julia. Let ask her. We go like, hey, Julia, what is it about public speaking that you don't like? She goes, well, well, I don't like uh, classrooms, and I don't want to like, present for us." But why is it that you like theater? That, by the way, is 10 times harder than giving a present. She goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Brendan. I love theater. You know, it's a way to share an idea, a way to make a difference. That's the key. We need to change the perception of public speaking from a chore to a way to make a difference.
1: Mm. I love that. So I didn't realize you also teach the kids of your executive clients about public speaking as well.
2: Yeah, I mostly do that to keep my videos sharp. So, so, for example it, cause, because when when I noticed that happened, because I only realized that huge systemic issue. I know it sounds great now. You know, in episode two, you asked me the same question. I always said, "Well, I don't really know where the fear comes from, but uh what happened is after I realized that, I, I told my business partner I was like, "How about we open?" Actually, he had the idea, not me give him credit he said, why don't why don't we coach their kids and i And I said, "Yes, even if I was getting paid way below rate, and the reason is because. I wanted to see how they reacted. So for example, in class two, even if I'm a pretty chill guy, you probably realize I'm, I'm not like a tyrant with the kids. I am with the executives, but not the, not the kids. You know, I was, I was very happy, happy-go-lucky. A lot of them were still crying in my class mm. week two, right? And I just went, okay, this is like a systemic issue. So that's what led to making my videos better. But But yeah, that's the solution.
1: So do you teach the kids similarly to how you teach your adult executives, or is it a totally different process?
2: Mm, I'm happy to share that. So if you're an educator listening, feel free to steal it. I'm, I'm happy to <laughs> share that. So, so the idea is, actually feel free to use it because I would love for this to get out more, is this idea that you, you teach them the same way, but the way you teach them is very different, like the method. So I'll give you an example. Number one, the incentive structure. So let's say I was coaching you two. We were on a call. We were figuring out whether public speaking is informed. Let's say you're in session one, right? I would say, how big do you want the podcast to be, right? How, how, how much do you want to improve the relationships with your family? You know, whether that's a brother, whether that's a husband, it doesn't really matter, right? And through that, you develop an incentive structure to say, oh, I'm incentivized to master. I want to master public speaking because I want this, I want this in my life. I want better speeches. I want to make the podcast bigger, whatever it is. For kids, it's very different. You have to find a different incentive. So let's say Billy is eight years old and he loves soccer and doesn't really care about public speaking, as he shouldn't, right? The way that you coach Billy is you ask Billy, hey, I know you like soccer, Billy. What do you think is the difference between a soccer member and a soccer captain? And then he'll say something like, well, a captain has to lead the team, has to communicate. And then I just ask him a simple question. Do you want to be a captain or a member, <laughs> They always say captain. So that's the thing. You got to find. <laughs> so my most successful client, the six-year-old, uh, I asked her the same. She's way better than her dad, I always like to say, on the record. <laughs> way better. <laughs> on it's the like, record. <laughs> it's, it's like not even comparable. It's like, geez, I always tell her, like, you can't compare to the this girl of yours. But it was. I, and that's the second point, right? So we talked about incentive center structure. Second point is treat them like adults. What does that mean? When I got my first call with her, I didn't tell her what to do. I didn't pick her topic like most teachers do. I said, what do you care about? What does a six-year-old care about? I don't know. Let me ask her. She said, oh, you know, like I like school and I like my first day of school. I was like, make a presentation about that. She started singing in her presentation. She said, like, the wheels on the bus. It's just like amazing. Aww. I'll send you guys after. <laughs> that I was like, great. <sighs> had like a professional mic and everything towards the It was long story oh short gosh. is find an extent of str- and treat them as the same age as you, which brings us to number three, make the kids give feedback to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I did in the program is because of my partner, he had this great idea. My business partner is this idea of give them, let them give feedback to each other first. So what happens is they hold themselves accountable as a group and they go, I don't really care about this public speaking thing. I just want him and her to get better, which means I need to get better. And then I give feedback at the end every single time. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're missing as educators is we're forgetting the fundamental point of education, which is to teach people. And the best way to teach is not to be this person on a pedestal, but rather saying a lot of these kids are smarter than we are. There's a lot yeah. of tips that yeah. a lot of the kids were doing that I didn't even think of that I made videos on. Right? <laughs> and that's the thing. When we do it that way, that's how you get really big results. And you don't need like a premium speech coach, to do all this stuff. Watch all my free videos and just apply it with your local community.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I love about what you're doing too, Brendan, is you give so much free advice. Like that's, that's very awesome because not a lot of people do that. I mean, especially in the world we live in, it's like, oh, yeah. hey,
0: subscribe I know. To Everyone's Save trying to monetize this. something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell that you're passionate about it and, and you want people to learn it, not just from you, but just you want to just get the word out there. I think that's- Yeah,
2: I got is. enough clients, you two. I think for me, what I realized is, it, I, I think it's crazy that nobody else in my industry has democratized this, like gave it for free for everybody. And I think the sad part of someone like Dale Carnegie, which I'm sure you're both familiar with his work, you know, is the author of How to Win Friends and Influence mm-hmm. People Sold. Millions of copies, one issue. He was born in the wrong time period. He couldn't guest on a podcast <laughs> like this. He couldn't be on a YouTube channel or have his own. And I get this weird opportunity to do what Dale couldn't do in his lifetime. So that when I'm dead, people can learn from me forever. Of course I want to give everything. Away yeah. From. Yeah.
1: You said that. What an awesome you still ask that. that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so that's what we were excited <laughs> to talk to you because even from like our little five minute intro, when we talked a, a few weeks ago, you just like exude positivity, which is, which is awesome. <laughs> You don't get that from everybody, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, but you were saying that you get, you still get advice and tips from your friends on on your speaking. So what is it that you're working on currently?
2: Oh, yeah, a bunch of things. And, and the, another thing I want to riff off really quickly what you said, why am I so positive? Right. I, I think the way that I think about it is optimism is a choice that you make for yourself. You know, there's a lot of things that you can complain about. You know, oh, yeah, I haven't seen my friends in seven months, which is true because of the (laughs) lockdowns. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. All that stuff, you know, I was planning on, like, going, like, 20 different keynotes from, like, 10 different countries. I had, like, this big tour plan, and everything got canceled overnight. It was, like, my first year. I was going to make it big, and everything just went downhill. So I just said, uh, yeah, did I cry about it for a couple of days? Sure. (laughs) But then after a couple of days, you wake up and you say, okay, time is still going. I can't go back to a bank and say, could I get 2020 back? just increase a year to my life. Yeah. That's how life works. So I said, let me make the choice to be optimistic and positive and serve people anyways. And that's what I chose to do. And then I started guesting on, I was like, what's a guest on a podcast. I didn't even know you could even do that. And then, you know, that, so that happened. was a
1: 2020 thing you just, Oh started? yeah, that was a
2: 20. Oh yeah. I never guessed it before. Cause I, okay. cause I'm always flying out all the time. So, you know, for work or for engagements and stuff. So I never knew you could even guest on a podcast like don't I have to like speak to anyways long story I was dumb, which goes back to the improvement thing right of what did I do differently how what am I doing to improve my game, I would say from a communication perspective, a lot of the things I've really worked on the last year is getting really good on camera. Like if you look at my first couple of videos, you know, I know some people, okay, it was good. But to me, it was uh not not good at all. It was just, I was in my mother's basement. I know energy. There's no, there's just a phone. I hated the whole process. But, and that took a lot of work and a lot of self-awareness of willing, like one thing I do a lot that's pretty extreme is I make, I, when I write keynotes and I present them, I actually take the video and I send them to 20 different people. And then when I do, this is a free advice you guys can all take home, is after I do that, I asked them to give me time stamped feedback. So what does that mean? That means let's say Leanne is giving me feedback on my video. She, she won't just say, Oh, great job, or this sucks. She'll go, Hey, go to 1642, like the 16th minute, 40 seconds. Why are you smiling when you're talking about a car accident? This makes no sense to me. <laughs> but if you're, yeah, it's, it's, I do that a lot. And then you, but when you have 20 people, and in my case, 20 vicious people, because they're all from the program, you have this long list of timestamps. And it's like every 30 seconds, every 15 seconds, there's a mistake, but version two sounds a lot better. So that's something I do to improve. And I'm still yeah, doing.
1: That's humbling too. You got to be brave to, to do that.
2: Yeah. Or you care about your idea enough that you make yeah. it happen. I mean, Tony Robbins has been doing the same seminar for 40 years. You think at this point, he's not really doing it for the money. I think yeah. we can all agree on that. <laughs> <at
1: this
2: point. laughs>
1: that You could say, I mean, that's definitely what we've been working on too, Calais, yeah. is our comfort and presence on, on camera as well, um, which is something we both feared for a long time. So, so do you have any um, books? that you have people read or that you that have helped improve your your game
2: yep I like i said your game i love it uh, <laughs> it's, it's just very much my language so i love it but but for me i'm very unconventional so i usually don't recommend the books that people usually do for me for communication mm-hmm. i have a, the, the only book i recommend is actually thirst by scott harrison so scott harrison's the okay. the the, blah, blah, the ceo of charity water it's a non-profit he started to help the world uh, gain access to clean drinking water but from a communication perspective, the reason he's so interesting is he's one of the few people that I personally admire that not just walks the walk, like listens to the stuff like that we're doing now. He applies it in his own organization. And I think his movement and what he's been able to do, especially for, he used to be a nightclub promoter in New York. So he's been able to use those marketing chops and the messaging and the way that he speaks. He keynotes around 200 times a year, approximately to share the message of the organization to the world. So I th- I think that book is a great playbook on how to make a difference with communication that a lot of people can take home because he doesn't have a lot of money to work with. This is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, now that like Zoom calls have taken over everyone's entire life, thanks to COVID, <laughs> what are some ways that people can present themselves better on camera that maybe they're not aware of?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So, so the way to think about this, Cal, is... The difference between the in-person world and the online world, like a Zoom call, is that I cannot gauge the reaction of my audience on a Zoom. So what do I mean by this? If I'm in person and, you know, we're all given a workshop together and I say a joke, two things will happen. One, you'll either laugh at the joke and go, oh, Brett is such a funny guy, or more likely, number two. You look at me and go, wow, this dude is not funny. Why is he saying jokes? Like this is not what he should be doing. But either way, I get the message, right? I can see you're not laughing. You know, Clayton looks really upset. And I go, okay, he's going to he's gonna break. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just playing around. But it is, the point is like, I, I get the message. I'm able to adapt really quickly. I don't have that luxury in the online world. And the reason is because when I say the joke, I can't actually tell if people are laughing because in many of those meetings, the cameras are off. You don't really see who's there. I even argue in a conversation like this, you two are very expressive, so it's not that hard. But most of the time, I can't even tell how the people I'm speaking to are reacting in a two-person conversation because I'm not looking at you two. I'm looking directly at the camera lens, Mm -hmm. which is another tip. But the point is, that's why when you say the joke, you have to assume it's funny. And that's the challenge. So right now, you know, I say, I always say that same joke. Oh, you know, if Brendan, uh, you know, he says the joke is funny, you know, it doesn't say the joke. I have to assume you're going to laugh, right? I can't say it with a lack of kind of go. Oh, I hope Leanne laughs at this joke. No, I have to, I have to do it regardless. So that's the that's the challenge. So that really, the only way to fix this, there's a couple of ways. One is imagine the perfect audience. Talk to one person that you know is on the call, really understand who they are, really get a gauge and just speak to them. That's one way. So that way you show up with a bunch of energy because I know full well now that I've practiced a lot that there's more than just all the three of us here that are listening to this conversation. So I'm forcing myself to energize for the person that I have no clue is listening to this right now. That's one part. Second part is super easy. Just put a picture of somebody that you love or a favorite food like pizza or something. Put it next to the camera lens. Uh, maybe not in your case, Leanne, because you're a fitness trainer. Maybe I don't know, avocado or something. And then put
1: hey, pizza, there you too. go.
2: <laughs> put it put it next to the camera lens. So that way you're gonna be forced to That's, a great,
1: That's yeah. a great idea. That's a great idea. Go print out pictures of pizza after this.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then your family's gonna like, look at you real bizarre. What's happening? Yeah
1: they wouldn't I'm be surprised. surprised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're so right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously, I want to keep it positive, but are there any speaking engagements that you've had that, like, went wrong that you learned a lot from?
2: Definitely a lot of times in my life, I wasn't as great as a speaker as I should have. Like, especially at the beginning of my uh, case competition career. Just to give you an idea how bad I was, like how like nonsensical I was. I, ha- I still had my oversized suit from prom. Let's see, my tie didn't end at my belt. Like literally, it's just <laughs> nonsense. And my first couple of presentations, my first one, I remember, I was talking to the CEO of a company, like the literal CEO, and I was 19. And I had the oversized suit on. And for some reason, <laughs> he gave me third place. I don't know how, but the part that I want to drive, that was terrible mostly because of ego because I thought I was really good and I wasn't really good and oh. the director kind of felt bad for me you kind of <laughs> just said, it's okay <laughs> so that was it very but They're
0: there there <laughs> yeah
2: but, but I think one point I want to drive with that is these days I make a lot less mistakes but I think the reason I do or I make a lot less is not because I'm perfect not because I'm special but because the level of focus that I have for my audience, has gotten to a point that is crazy. Like I'll give you an example. My biggest keynote ever gave. Okay, I practiced like three months for it and everything. I learned 15 minutes before the keynote that I had to give half of it in French. You know, like, uh, you know, the director was like, hey, Brendan, I forgot to tell you, uh, half of these kids always speak French, buddy. Can you like, and I just went, uh. By the way. So most speakers in that situation would go like, I'm screwed. Like this is, so why did that happen to me? The reason it didn't happen to me is because the presentation isn't about me. If I mess yeah. up this presentation, going back to the Julia example, I'm going to reinforce the, that belief. I'm going to tell her, look at the uh, in her eyes and say, you're right, you're a terrible speaker because I couldn't pull it off. So how can you? That's essentially what I'm yeah. saying. If I mess up the presentation, that's why I'm in a place in my head now that failure is just unacceptable in presentations for me. But uh, I've definitely learned a lot along the way for sure and messed up a lot of presentations in between.
1: Bought some new suits.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got it.
0: What are some of the things that um, I keep going back to, <clears throat> excuse me, what I had mentioned earlier about um, our friend Jenna, who's giving this speech for her sister's wedding? I think she's going to do a phenomenal job. I know Leanne does too, because she's just, she can command a room. She's hilarious. But when it's something that you have to do, that has importance, right? And I think that can kind of get people nervous just because it's such a special day and you don't, you want to do a good job for um, your audience or for who it's for.
2: What are
0: some things that they, like, I'm trying to think of how to articulate this, excuse me. Um, What are some of the things that they should stay away from? Should try to, like, is there rules for this stuff or... When it comes to like a personalized, yeah, stage. no worries. Sorry, I'm all over the place with that one.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll we'll simplify. I always like keeping things simple, so don't worry. And we're not going to make this too complicated. Especially, you said it was your your friend's sister. Did I get that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, her uh, yeah. Her friend's your sister's
2: friend. wedding. Okay, got you. Friend's sister, right? So same apply- advice applies if it was your friend's brother. But anyways, the key is okay. Let's let's simmer this down. The first thing I would ask is how long is the presentation? Is this a thirty-minute thing? Is this a three-minute thing? My assumption, if it's a wedding speech, probably a three to five-minute thing. I would be right to say that, right? If I'm correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Okay,
2: so let's assume it's like a five. So it makes on life, super. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's. I'll, I'll hope for the two of you. Honestly, like a lot of the, like this is a complete side note. A lot of the weddings in my culture are like a week. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's very yeah. long. But as the point is, let's let's hope it's five minutes. So on that note three to five minute presentation, that tells me a simple thing, which is you only have time to convey one key idea. What is the one thing, right? That is the most important thing that we want to say in that speech. So I would go back to your friend's sister and ask her, right? right, I would ask her, what is the the most important thing that you want to say about their, their union? Out of all of the things that you admire about them, what is the number one thing? And then she says that number one thing. And that should be easier. It'll take her maybe an hour of thought and she'll figure it out. And that is what I call the overlying theme for your presentation. Okay. So let's say, I don't know. Let's say that key idea was uh, the way that they look at each other, right? It's really fascinating to her. She's just like, wow, like they're just very present with each other. Just giving an example, right? This is how I coach it anyways. And then after we do that, Congratulations, we celebrate the win. That's already 30 seconds to a minute done. We're already done 20% of speech. Okay, that's So already we're progressing really fast here. Then the next thing is what is the best way to defend that idea, to communicate that idea? So there's a couple of tools that you can use in our toolbox. You could say a joke about, you could say a joke and say, oh, you know, I hate it how you guys always look at each other all the time. It was like, you never pay attention to me, right? That's like a funny thing if that's for style. Or it could be something sarcastic, right? Or if you want to make it touchy-feely, memorable, it could be a personal story. You know, I've seen a hundred couples in my life. There's something special. It's called Julia. Julia's getting like married <laughs> and she's going to high school. Lots of things are Great happening to Julia. Julia is right? just, she's like killing. She's killing. Life. She's like, <laughs> Just <laughs> getting old really fast. She just uh, going through different life stages, right? And, and John, you know, like, and then you describe just what you think about that couple. Like, really speak from the heart. Mm-hmm. That's the presentation. You're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. You just. Re- I like
1: the idea of a story too. Yeah, I, a lot of wedding speeches I've heard do the the stories, and and you can throw little jokes in the stories. but I really like that. Yeah,
2: you. you it really just depends on what your style is. So, so for me, as you probably tell, I'm pretty much, I'm like a very serious jokester in the sense like I'm, I'm very serious, my content, my expertise, but also very laid back. So it really depends on, on the kind of person she is. If she's very like detail-oriented, she's like, well, Cal, I need to make sure that all of the details are in place. Then, then share her the structure and just say, fill in the boxes. Right?
1: Well, it's kind of funny you say that because she's also very detail oriented, but also laid back and oh, goofy. Okay, <laughs>
0: like She's like very similar yeah, to you in that way. Very, very similar.
2: <laughs> yes. So I think the summary, the summary is super easy. Find the key idea, then mm-hmm. defend the key idea and write out the entire speech. It's only five minutes. And then what you, she could do is she really wants to nail it. She just records herself, give the presentation once on a phone, not like anything fancy. You know, you don't need a YouTuber. Send it to Leanne, send it to Cal, send it to everyone else. Get their feedback, except maybe the bride and the groom, and then, you know, bring it back (laughs) and make it better. And you'll be fine. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice.
0: I really love that concept of, of sending out to people that you trust that you can get the feedback from. I think that that is really, really invaluable information. I love that for so many things. I'm going to start implementing that on a lot of stuff. So Leanne, check your email. I got lots coming. (laughs) (laughs)
2: What what do you think of my shirt? Actually, don't comment on it. What do you think?
0: Too bright. (laughs) Too bright. (laughs) Brendan, you are awesome. I cannot thank you enough for coming and hanging out with us. I really can't. It's my pleasure. Um, Is there anything that we... That you just want to get off your chest about what you're doing, or um, some tips or anything like that, that we didn't cover. I just want to give that opportunity um, before we close up.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, people know where to find you. Master Talk, one word, click on YouTube, you'll get there. But I, I think the life advice I'd love to leave people with to kind of make this, I guess, holistic is my favorite quote. My favorite quote is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to do something special and important, especially if you've made it an hour and five minutes into this conversation, the only advice that matters is the following. The, the people who do great things in life are the people who are crazy enough to do it. Don't you find it odd that a 22-year-old kid started a YouTube channel, not on vlogs, not on pranks, not on comedy, but on public speaking and communication and then... Coaches senior level executives at the age of twenty three, but at the same time still lives in his mother's basement. Doesn't own a car. Doesn't plan on moving out of his mother' house till he's thirty. <laughs> Dances alone in his basement for an hour a day and can karaoke in eight different languages. How does this make sense? <laughs> How does any of this make any sense? And that I don't but-
0: know, but you sound like someone I want to hang out with. There <laughs> Tell your mom, we're heading over. (laughs) We're heading over. Tell her to get dinner ready. I love it.
2: (laughs) Might be a bit too spicy, but I will go for it. But that, Mm -hmm. my friend, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you're probably making the right decisions. So be insane or be the same.
0: Love that. Thank you so much, Brennan. You're the best. Thank you, Brennan. Of course.
2: (laughs) Pleasure was mine.
0: All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HTC community.
1: Find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Combo and click around on our links to find ways that you can get involved.
0: And don't forget, you can join us every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Central for Coffee and Conversation on Instagram Live. Talk soon.